You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! What is going on, everybody? It has been a busy week here on the Get Tucked podcast. We are two episodes in, and we have two more to go, including today. If you didn't know, it is release week for Off-Road Minivan, and I am turned up to 11 Spinal Tap style. Only a few more days to go until we get to drop the good stuff for you, and tomorrow we will be premiering a brand new video for the song You. Um, also on the show tomorrow, we will have Miles from Offroad Minivan to finish up our Swan Dive into Minivan week. If you didn't know, we will be releasing our debut full-length album, Swan Dive, this Friday, May 15th. This might be one of the worst times in history to release music, so if you can, please go pre-save the album on Spotify or Apple Music. If you are more into shirts, CDs, hats, hoodies, all that stuff, please head over to MerchNow.com and pick something up. That is a company that also is being hurt right now by no one being able to tour. So if you can, please go support that company. They have been tremendously good to us over the years, and I have a lot of love for them, be that I used to work there. So MerchNow.com, Offered Minivan, check that out. This week on the show, we have David Trimbley. Dave and I were in our first band ever, and I'm very excited to dig into our past a little bit. Dave holds the record for being in the most bands with me ever. This is also pretty insane because uh, I'm really difficult, so shows how much strength this man has. So here we go, episode seven with Dave Trimbley of Off-Road Minivan. my dude what's up man how you doing oh i'm doing pretty swell thank you for joining me on the show today are you ready to get tucked i am ready sir thank you for having me dude, thank of you. course it is my pleasure um it's been a lot of fun doing this show so i can force you all into conversations <laughs> with me so i can stay sane yeah. and under the geyser excuse that uh people care about our lives but supposedly uh well i shouldn't say supposedly so far the reception has been very cool so it's nice that's to good to hear man. actually yeah. get to do this with you guys um but you and i have i think the longest musical history of yes. just about anyone i know i mean it really yes. me you and miles um super in depth so i'm excited to let the peoples know wtf oh yeah let's dive into it 
Yes. It has been a uh, it's been a long and winding road, my old friend. Yes, yes. All really <laughs> guided by one beautiful black SG. Yeah. Yes. That guitar. Yes. It's classic. It's like it I wonder is. what year it uh so all right, to preface. When David and I first met, which was uh when I was fifteen years old or so, um he was playing guitar in a band called Annandale. And he had and still has such a super dope SG Gibson made fire fire guitar. And at that time I was like, wow, this is the nicest guitar I've ever <laughs> seen anybody have. Do you know what year that thing is? I don't offhand, man. No. We'll have to look <laughs> it up. We'll have to dig in, uh, find the serial number. But what year did you start playing guitar? Uh, it was right about the time, um, me and Miles and everybody started uh, up with Annandale. I was probably, I think, 12 years old. You know, that's when you start the uh, learning process. And then I met Miles probably about a year or so after that. And then we just started playing. And like you said, Annandale was the, the first little group we started playing around in. Yeah, probably probably 12, I think, when I started. That's I started wild. on piano actually. Piano was the first thing I started. And I was I was going to even younger that. than that. Yeah, yeah. What what year did you start playing piano? Oh, I was my parents started me young on that. Um young enough. Probably probably 10, 9, 10, yeah, something like that. Okay. That's cool. Um and that's definitely helped out a bit uh oh, yeah, over man. the it's, years. Yeah. But yeah. It's been amazing. It has been amazing. It's always a great you know, tool to be able to go back and reference to, and you st- I still have so much fun playing, just messing around. Or yeah, you have that one really nice piano at your mom's house. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And I've been locked here this... for like two months now, so <laughs> it's been yeah. fun messing around with that thing again. Plus, that room just sounds so it does, good. It does. Um, it does. But for those that don't know, when we were young, um, David and Miles, who are both in Offroad Minivan, and myself were in a band called Annandale. If you are familiar with the Hudson Valley at all, there is a place called Annandale on Hudson. It is where Bard College is located. We'll eventually tie into my friendship and all of our friendship with Evan and where Miles will attend college and Evan will attend college. But uh, so we are in a young screamo band called Annandale. I would say we sounded (laughs) like Hawthorne Heights, Census (laughs) Fail, all that kind of stuff, Silverstein. Um, Oh, yeah. Were you at... That one time that we played Sean Legere's Backyard. I must have been. Yeah. I must have been. I remember our first gig was in Miles' front yard. We played a lot of yards. Yeah. I wasn't <laughs> there for that. I saw you guys when you played Milagros for the first okay. time in Tivoli. Okay, yeah. yeah. And that's... That place. I went there with my sister. We watched that... So Jim Griffin's band played Final Expression. Jim Griffin, and, wow. And oh that one guy, I believe his name is Chase took a needle and pulled out his forehead skin, stuck a needle (laughs) through his skin, was like bleeding everywhere, and then just rips it out mid-song. It was complete chaos. Yeah, that does sound familiar. I can't believe I forgot about that. (laughs) Yeah, there was this band, and it's hard to even call them a band because they were a they yeah they were a band called Final Expression but really they didn't even like play songs it was just chaos sounds all the time people mm-hmm. screaming and this one <laughs> dude moshing on the floor and I I truly mean moshing on the floor he would roll around and all the stuff it was pretty wild um, wow very fun stuff but that's the night that I met you guys 
And you were the only other people that I really knew other mm-hmm. than my neighbors that were into Screamo. Screamo. Um, <laughs> yeah, I throw in lots of terrible yeah. fry screams every episode. because Dude, fries are um, awesome. Yeah, I honestly just want to be a fries, screamer. I'm fries really started it all. Fries it, started it all. One billion percent. <laughs> um, so eventually we played a super cool show at Club Crannell. I'm pretty sure, um, yeah, it was you, Dave Cruz, and Miles all on guitar at this one? Yeah. The one that had, okay, we played a show, and it was a Victory Records showcase tour. Mm -hmm. It was the Junior Varsity, the, um, the Audition, Aiden, and the Hurt Process. And I swear there was one more band, but I was trying to find the tour ad Matt today um, online. And I, I couldn't, but it was a wild tour. Uh, we sold gosh, like 75 or 80 tickets to that. Oh yeah. Show. The ticket, the ticket hustle, the ticket hustle was real. It was, it the was first, so real. <laughs> first show for Jeff Menig for me. Um, and that show was wild. There was so many people there. We truly yeah. felt like 15 year old little rock stars. I found like a <laughs> picture from that the other day, which is hilarious. But oh, yeah, um, I love coming across old pictures like that. <laughs> man, I know I had hair. It was yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, but you had long, beautiful hair for a long time. You still have great hair. Um, some of I it. Just, yeah, some of I it. just don't. Um, <laughs> but back then, I had the bangs. I was wearing cool. I have, it was, I was wearing Miles' hidden in plain view shirt. Yes, dude. Um, Man, what great times. Oop, oop. <laughs> but that was pretty short-lived. I think eventually, I don't, I mean, I got kicked out of Annandale for my neighbor, um, which was hilarious to me. For um, your neighbor? I think I was already gone by that point. I think, yeah, I think you were out. And then shortly thereafter, I had introduced the guys to my neighbor, Ryan, and they just oh, yeah, thought yeah, yeah. he was way cooler than me. So, um, <laughs> Shot honestly, in the foot with that one. Huh? Yeah, you know, if he ever hears it, I blame Simon. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just gonna blame him because he was uh, the weirdest of the bunch. But um, uh, yeah, what a guy. But so I get kicked out of my band for my neighbor, and it's funny because they. Came, I'm gonna talk about this with Miles tomorrow too. <laughs> they came to my front door. Kicked Oof. me out of my with Ryan, kicked Oof. me out of my band, and then went back to Ryan's house. I was like, dude, you're my best friend. Like, what is this? Like, how that is rough? How dude. do you do that? that but is rough. that's the kind of childhood I had. Um, <laughs> so I had a great life, I had great opportunities, but sometimes it just got fucking weird. But enough about me. So you're done with Annandale. I think yep. I get kicked out of Annandale. There's a brief period I'm still playing in. Um, my other band, I shot Marvin for I a while. Yeah. And I played bass in that. But um Remember them, I remember them. I went into my next high school band, Imposterous. But eventually, mm-hmm. uh around the Imposterous time, I'm at Duchess, I'm hanging out with Plas pretty often, and you and him start jamming. Yep. And you and I hadn't seen each other in years. Um so yeah, it's been stopped- a while there. Yeah, I'm pre- I'm pretty sure like I can't really recall any times in between there where I saw you unless it was maybe when I was like picking up Gretchen or Shelby mm-hmm. or something from yeah, school. Yeah, yeah. Um because I picked up my friends from school cuz I was nice. But <laughs> Oh gosh. Okay. So 
you're jamming with Plas. I'm at Duchess. And I went and like sang with you guys like once or twice just for fun, jamming mm-hmm. in, your, in your room. And I was super caught up in T-Look and being scenic, scene extraordinaire yes, at the time. And you guys <laughs> were looking for a singer. You had a new band with yep. Travis. And I don't know if you had Brandon in the band yet, but you had Marcus uh, think, in the band. I think Brandon came about once... Um, me and Trav kind of got with Plas because him and him Plas and Brandon were uh, pretty close friends. Yes. I think he came in around that same time. And Marcus was in the band as a vocalist, but you guys were still yes. looking for another piece of the pie. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm in college with old Melvin. We're in a math class being really bad at math. <laughs> and he shows me a bunch of tabs and stuff, and I knew he could sing because I remember guitar him pro. from an old band. I know, dude. He guitar proed super hard. Oh yeah. Um, and then <laughs> freaking um, and it's funny because I I think JB noted recently from August Burns Red that he, up until recently he still made his drums on like guitar pro or something. Really? <laughs> yeah. I think when you get used to something, it's just easy. It's to a stick cool. With it. little, yeah, man. It's a cool little program. It's fun. But again, that's something that I think I read on Instagram or Twitter. So it's not (laughs) like uh, I was texting the guy. So I don't know. But you guys, I think I came the first night maybe over to your place with Melvin. Or maybe I didn't. I I remember, I think 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 we were looking. I don't know where Marcus was at this point. But I remember we were looking for like just a vocalist. And you were saying... I know this guy, Melvin, and uh, it's just funny now thinking, Mel actually joined and played his first show with us without a guitar. He was just singing. I remember that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, it, yeah. I don't, I think it was the, in the loft yeah, that yeah, you guys played first. Yep. Um, and he had his Cheeto hair, maybe. No, he had like very short hair at this yeah, time. Yeah, very short, like um, almost shaved head. But did you guys open for anyone at that show? Anyone notable, or was it just? Like I mean, a we were show? definitely opening for someone. It wasn't our show. I don't know. Yeah, I just didn't <laughs> I remember, I if remember if it was anything was cool. The, the first like know, cool I one can't... I remember was the Census Fail one. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. And that was cool that was show. I was unreal. That was great. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So shortly thereafter, you guys play. I bet you those that WAF show. I guarantee you, it's still on YouTube. It's got to be. It's got to be somewhere. I'm, I'm sure we can track it down. Yeah, I'm gonna find it. Oh, I would we love to watch that. Rad. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> oh man, oh, oh man. yeah, good stuff. Yeah, there's um, some questionable lyric decisions, but that's okay. Well, I mean, that's a factual thing. Everyone bleeds red unless <laughs> you're like true, a, you know, a plant we're just or something. To, yeah, yeah. Um, Chlorophyll. That's cool. Yeah, science, man. That's science. awesome. Another thing I wasn't very good at. If you, if no one's <laughs> caught on yet, I wasn't uh, the greatest student. But that you know, you know, there's no school for you know throwing your guitar around like a dum dum. So and you do that pretty. I did my pretty well, man. Yeah. 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 Uh, thanks. I appreciate it. you. Also, do you have that Tim McTague move, which is super and, yeah. Sick. I mean, I'll, I hit you about sixty percent of the time, but that's okay. Dude, oh You're man! Big strong, man. Actually, You're big strong. <laughs> my ar- after we shot the vampire video, my yeah. arm hurt for weeks. Yeah, I got you good. Um, dude. He <laughs> does. If anyone's familiar with Under Oath, there's this time where Tim McTay kind of throws his guitar behind his back and then does this 360 spin and it whips around super hard. And 
it's really, really insanely cool looking. And Dave has always done it with his uh, guitars, but now he plays bass and offered me van, which we will get to. But he turned around super hard because we're filming a music video. We're all trying to look cool. And he smoked me in the forearm <laughs> with a baseball bat, like so hard. And this is like an E2 AP4, like it's a heavy bass, like, oh man, that hurt. Regardless. Woof. That sucked. Ouch. But it was really fun. We had a good time. Oh, it was an amazing it. time. Yeah. So I touched on this yesterday with Melvin a little bit, um, but you guys end up playing that census fail show which was the Mm -hmm. first time i know i went and saw you all play and that was super sick travis was still in the band yeah i think brandon was playing bass you had two vocalists Um, yeah we had some weird setups but uh this was basically just like oh this guy's my friend let's yeah let's go well i think that's kind of the best way to do it right (laughs) it is yeah it's so fun Um, it's yeah what's better than playing music with your friends nothing yeah, I mean, I, I'm not really that much of a fan of it, I guess, but it's okay. Um, <laughs> but, nah, you guys are cool. We're friends. It's tight. I, I'm a, I'm, I'm into it. For reals. Honestly. Oh, for real skis. Okay. So, around this time, and we tried to figure out about when, uh, at some point, Marcus, I think, is in college in Syracuse, like, crushing life. Yeah. And Travis... I don't know why Travis stopped being in the band. Travis stopped being in the band. And then Melvin moves over to guitar and mm-hmm. just does clean vocals. And we bring in the mighty Chris Princeton. And yes, he yes. becomes Captain Screamo of the band. Yes. But before Melvin joined, did you guys have a name for the band or did you guys name the band when he joined? I think it was always uh, the Interstate Affair, yeah. I think we had who, that before Mel got there. Who named it? It was some collaboration of Travis and I, I, th- I think, if I remember correctly. Interesting. Okay. It's a pretty screamo name. I'm into it. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure what it means. Uh, TIA all day, though. Yeah. Tia. Tia. Yeah. Tia. She's a lady. Um, <laughs> but. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Sure. So, yeah. She's. She, yeah. Okay. That's fine. So <laughs> you guys end up playing pretty damn hard and becoming rival bands with my yes. uh, my band at the time. And pretty much any show that we didn't play that was a sick show, you guys played. And I remember particularly this one battle of the bands oh, yeah. that came down to T-Look versus um, the Interstate Affair. And you guys won. And you got to open for Escape, uh, the, Escape Fate. the Fate. Escape the Fate, yep. Yeah, that was yeah. a great show. Yeah, that was fun, man. <laughs> yeah, I still went um, to the show. I guess I, I guess That's I was kind of at like every show just because I was always with Jeff and Chris. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and I guess it's a little easier when your friend is the promoter and he doesn't mm-hmm. make you pay. <laughs> um, so <laughs> um, that was That's really nice. nice. And I loved it. I went to all the shows because I like that shit. But still do. Um, okay, so you guys were keeping busy. You played a lot of shows. You guys went and recorded an EP out in Ohio. Mm-hmm. We touched yes. upon that a bit yesterday with Mel. Um, you you and Melvin really pushed each other. It was like a combination of August Burns Red Riffs with a, mm. like a Silverstein approach to some extent. It reminded yeah, me of see, this. See 
it, it didn't quite have, it wasn't as heavy. It wasn't as in your face as an August Burns Red, but the mm-hmm. riffs were there like that. Oh, yeah. I, I remember just watching Facebook videos of you two just sitting, playing the guitar acoustic with each other, harmonizing, mm-hmm. and it just yep. sounding so good. Yeah, man, that was fun. We got, we got riffy with TIA. That was fun. Yeah, you seriously did. And you guys practiced a lot. You guys. A lot. And that was the thing, too, is just Mel and I were always just together. Even when our band wasn't practicing, we would just be hanging out. And when we're hanging out, we're playing and messing around with stuff. And Mel would be like, oh, check this riff out. I'd be like, oh, whoa, cool. And then, you know, put it to a chord progression or harmonize it and just sit there and mess around and just come up with some super cool riffy things, man. Yeah. It was just what we did. It was fun. I remember looking at the Interstate Affair. I think part of why I had such jealousy for your band um, was because you guys worked really hard. Not only did you practice a lot, but you guys released a lot of music where my Mm -hmm. band didn't release music for shit. Um, (laughs) In the time period where I was in the band um, with the the final lineup that I was in, we released a song. Mm -hmm. Um, So... It was crazy to see that you guys, not only you went to Ohio, you made the CP, it sounded pretty damn good. I remember sitting in Plast's car and listening to it um, back when he was driving that like Acura or something like that, um, that little red car that he had. Before his his Mustang. Before the Mustang. Um, But you guys all worked really hard, and then you linked up with Tom DeGrazia and um, started just pumping out tracks. I feel yeah. like there was a new Interstate Affair song or or three every six months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We put out a lot of material with, with Tom, too. He was, I remember, uh, he was a big help. He was the guy everybody pretty much went to back in the day around here. And it was, it was convenient and nice just being right in uh, Poughkeepsie there. Um, so when we, we didn't really, like, wait until we had five songs to go and track something it's kind of like oh we got this new song we'll go pump it out with tom and then put it out there it was just like yeah like you said kind of rapid fire with anything we got we just laid it we just tracked it well you guys had a smart approach and i think that nowadays that approach uh works even better um pretty much other than the fact that for nostalgic purposes, I love albums, and I think that I'll always be yeah, an album yeah. listener. In order yes, for me to really for sure. love a band, I have to like the whole CD or mm-hmm. record, whatever you want to call it. But um, nowadays is really a singles game. And at that time, you yeah. guys were crushing it. You were getting a, a lot of people into your band. You guys drew heads. There was a, mm-hmm. always a turnout if you guys played at the loft, and it was sick. Yeah, um, that was a... No, yeah. Despite watching the fights ensue because of the bag. Um, <laughs> oh God. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. What a guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. That he was a really nice character, but for some reason there was just controversy that surrounded that young man. For some reason. Um, we yeah. just, for those listening, we had this friend, his name, his nickname was D bag and he was the kindest man. And he really, really supported the hell out of uh, the oh, interstate affair. He sure did. He, yeah. he just, uh, the, the Poughkeepsie folk were rough to him, I will say. Yeah. And that's a difficult place to grow up playing shows. I think after traveling more, I've really seen that we, I mean, we played in a ghetto spot, dude. Like, dude. Yeah. Did. <laughs> um, you know, the more bands that I see nowadays when, you, you know, I meet people, oops, hit my mic, sorry. I talk to people and they're like, oh, where are you from? And I'm like, well, you know, I'm from this area in New York, but I really, I grew up playing in, in Poughkeepsie and they're just like, holy smokes, that yeah. place is rough. Um, mm-hmm. We didn't have a lot in the area. There weren't a lot of restaurants. You could go get um, 
you know, chicken across the street and get some chicken fingers. Oh like, yeah, man. <laughs> you could go grab a 40 down the street, but other than that, and you know, Kennedy. It, and still delicious. I absolutely love Kennedy chicken. Oh yeah. But it was a staple. It was a staple and it really signified the times. Eventually they made the nutty, but for the most part, um, Poughkeepsie once was a really big city for, um, I think it was like fabric manufacturing, um, or something like that. I'll have to look into it again. Danielle knows much more about it because she is interested in those things as yes. I'm not. But it is shot in his pretty rough area. So Yeah, man. But when we were growing up, man, with kids, there were always, always bands coming through. Like, oh, always. Man. The best shows. And a lot of that was uh, Jeff being in there and promoting right. and bringing yep. in the best tours. Sure. And I think that that goes to show for anyone where, for instance, if you put a good tour in Poughkeepsie currently where... August Burns Red and us got to play there. Uh, mm-hmm. I went and saw As I Lay Dying there. Knocked Loose has played there. If you put a good lineup in there, the place sells out. People will come, yeah. They come. But there's just not enough. Um, there's not someone that's putting great tours in there more often. Right. And uh, hopefully that returns. That would be a great thing to see. And there is definitely a new... Um, local scene and it's uh, a different a lot different than the scene that we grew up with and i, I think it really is like the kingston area and mm, hardcore mm-hmm. bands and soul blind and that kind of thing which is yeah super dope um just hard for minivan i guess to find our place in there a little bit um <laughs> I, we're just a lot lighter but that's okay um so you guys in interstate affair i can't couldn't really recant the time where you broke up. I feel like it just slowly fizzled and never actually ended, technically. Yeah, that, yeah, I, that's accurate. <laughs> okay. Because eventually <laughs> I get the lovely um, phone oh. call from my nemesis kicking me out of the band T-Look. And at this time, I naturally go to my comfort zone. I hang out with Chris Aiken and Jeff Manning at the loft. <laughs> yeah, this is it. This is it. This is it. Yeah. <laughs> I forget what show was going on, but we were hanging out and Chris was like, well, why don't you come and join my band? And uh, they were a much heavier band. Wasn't really so much my style at the time. And I was like, well, why don't we see if the guys in Interstate Affair want to start a new band with us? And lo and behold, yep. You guys did. I don't yep, remember who it. I called or talked to. I first. remember you texting me with the idea about it, and I remember having like mixed feelings because I think we we still were kind of have the interstate affair. Um, but yeah, like you said, as it was fizzling, I know we lost Chris Plass had left. Um, I believe Brandon too. Uh, but then remember you texting us the, that idea of starting up a project with me, you, Chris Aiken, and bringing Plass back and Mel too. I remember you uh, messaged me saying something about we could go and record with uh, Matt Wentworth. And I was like, my eyes just, you know, bulged out of my head. I was like, that's a possibility. What is going on? <laughs> yes. Um, for those that don't know, I'm a sneaky snake and I like to try to incentivize people, uh, to do things that I want. <laughs> well, it um, worked. Shit, it so, worked. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's what originally brought together Melvin and myself was, uh, we really both enjoyed this band a lot. Um, 
And so I knew that that was a way where I was like, man, he's into this band. Maybe we can make a band that's kind of like that band and we can go record with him and bring it all together. And Chris and I were super tight. He was very much into the idea. So, um, yeah, that just seemed to flow together very well. I, you know, but I, although we did have some cool things like getting to go record with Matt right away from day one, visions worked really, really hard. Visions was an insanely hardworking band out of all the local bands I was in. It was definitely the hardest working, um, just because I, I feel like we really stuck to Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Every week we met at your house. We practiced. Yep. We did sleepovers. Yep. We did it all. And it was yep. just super bonding and fun and great. Um, it really was, man. Yeah. I miss that band. Um, I mentioned it yesterday, but for uh, those who may be interested, if you go on YouTube, you can search Visions. There's a song called Reality Check. There's a song called The Truth in You. There's a song called Dead End. There Machine is Language. Called, Machine Language isn't on YouTube. Really? No. Yep. Yeah, it's the one that's not on YouTube. I don't know why, and it's my favorite. Yeah, I know. I love that song. <laughs> Still one of my favorite melodies I've written. Yeah, um, it was beautiful, man. And it really did the trick because I wrote that song about a very mean woman, and then she ended up hearing it and then contacting me when I was at your house that one night and being like, hey, I just got dumped. Want to be my rebound? And <laughs> I was like, of course. That sounds great. <laughs> And then um, that was that, uh, hmm. you know, but that's cool. That's why you write songs as a dude, right? Is to um, try to get the affection of other people. I shouldn't say as dudes, anyone, because uh, love is great. And who doesn't want some? Because uh, I have so much love for you guys. Love, 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 love. Yeah, like the As Tall as Lions song. Love, 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 love. Yes, Sorry. Dude. Yeah, yes, I don't know. Dude. You know that song, but I like that song. Okay, so Visions. We're in a new band. Boom. Uh, we practiced for a few weeks, few, I don't know how long before we went and recorded with Matt, but we we first recorded one song with Brendan. We did The Truth yes. in You. Yep, yep. And then we played our first show, which was with Silverstein, Pierce the Veil, mm. The Chariot, Miss May I, and A Bullet for Pretty Boy. Um, and it was super cool. That was a yeah, huge so show, sick. tons of people, and what a great way to start a band, yep. having that be your first concert. Yep. I mean, geez. And we really got to play with a lot of our favorite bands while I we know, were I know, that's, that's so cool. Yeah, we did. We really did. I think my favorite package we ever opened wasn't the biggest show, ironically enough, but my favorite package we ever opened was another package with The Chariot, but it was Under Oath, mm-hmm. The Chariot, Times of Grace, and... Oh, Come Back Kid. Come Back Kid. Come Back Kid. Yeah, yeah. Wild lineup. That, that is... A super good show. Yeah. Um, yeah, I still have a Come Back Kid hoodie that I got at that show. <laughs> But, um, so, Visions, we did our EP with Matt. We went to New Hampshire. Do you have any super fond memories from that? I guess for me, it was my first time of feeling like I was in a legit band. Yeah, absolutely. I would agree with that, man, because it had been, uh, to that point, really, just like I said, with when we were in the interstate, Nanandale, if we recorded, it was just like, I think the most we 
ever did was when the interstate went to Ohio, like you were saying, we did five songs. Um, and th- even when we did, we did four with Matt, right? But yes. it was it was certainly an experience unlike any other, and it was cool to be, um, you know, working so closely with somebody that we've looked up to and ad- admired his band for so long, um, and just being there and actually, it was definitely like a step to the plate occasion. You know, we had to, it was really really cool. It was super fun. It was great. We just stayed in his little, um, what would you call that? Like a guest house they had yeah it was the bottom i think was like a garage but the top was just built out with a beautiful drum room and remember um, we walked in and we saw like the guitars sitting there they're all covered in mud i like poked i was like dude dude those are from the escape video those are from the escape video what's going on (laughs) oh i know are we we really here (laughs) well yeah i think it was our first experience with i mean i had been um friends with them for a while they stayed at my parents house a few times but for the most part you guys, I don't think, had met them yet? No, I don't think. Maybe just like a passing, or I don't know. Yeah, maybe we played a show before that together. I'm not yeah. sure. Um, definitely played a few together after that. But, um, yeah, at the time we went, we went to New Hampshire, and we stayed with Matt and Trevor Wentworth from our last night. And Matt and his friend Stetson recorded, or some know Bucket. as Bucket. Yes. Um, Stetson Wentworth. Stenson Whitworth, they recorded a really cool EP for us. And like I said, a few of those songs are on um, YouTube. There's also another song called Tory Black and Pages that I didn't mention before. But um, so we recorded the CP, we put it out, we start getting a little bit of buzz. You know, the, I think the local shows got a lot better at that point. I think we could headline the loft and bring about 200 people or so, um, which was pretty wild. And I recall notably, you know, that one time where we did direct support to just my ticket home headlining mm-hmm. in the loft yep. and just how wild the reaction was at yeah, that, dude, that show. Yeah, that was so cool. That was so um, cool. Yeah, we, you know, I think in terms of being in a local band, that was the one local band that I was ever in that actually had some fans. Like we had people mm-hmm. that bought merch that came to the shows that were super into it, knew the songs. Yeah, dude. And that was a great feeling. It was the first, you know, I thought we, yeah, of course, as all people do when they're uh, captivated by their own art, but I thought we were really going to make it. And so after that, we didn't do too much other than we recorded 18 and reality check. Reality check was featuring Tay Jardine from where the in crowd, which was, very cool for us. They were the Very biggest cool. band in the area at the time oh, yeah. and still one of the biggest bands to ever um, come from the local Hudson Valley scene. But at this time, we have been talking to a record label for a little while. And it was a label by the name of Roadrunner Records. They mm-hmm. are a major label. They've put out now like Code Orange and a lot of, uh, I think, Turnstiles with them. Bunch of cool stuff, but legendary record label at the time the amity affliction was with them and it was something that we thought really was going to change everything for us we talked with them for about six months to a year yeah and eventually we set up one of the most fun weekends of my life (laughs) we (laughs) our friend jeff who was our manager um, was participating and helping with Bamboozle in New Jersey at the time. And this at this year of Bamboozle, Foo Fighters played. 
Yeah. Uh, Jimmy World played. All American Rejects played like tons of insanely cool bands. And we were there with a purpose. We were there to play an acoustic set one night at a show with the Ready Set, but more importantly, to audition ourselves for the record label. And can you kind of explain a little bit what our audition <laughs> show was like? Well, how I remember it. So we were, I can't really remember the name venue, but it was right by uh, where Bamboozle would be. Um, here's my recollection. Us on a stage in a dimly lit room playing a full-out energetic, like everything you got set for maybe like three to five guys just in like suits sitting in chairs watching us with like straight faces just like critiquing every little thing and just taking notes and studying us it was such an odd experience i never before had uh experienced anything like that <laughs> i think to this day it's still probably my most nerve-wracking it was terrifying experience. it was terrifying um yeah, I mean, we were playing for some people that we looked up to. We were playing for some really important uh, guys in the industry. But all in all, we finished that set. We have a great weekend hanging out on the beach, watching Bamboozle, drinking, having a just lovely party weekend. Um, but about a week later, we find out the label ain't interested. And that was that was pretty soul crushing. I think that was a um, yeah, pretty significant bummer. Yeah, that was a huge hit. I mean, for one, we were a local band with four thousand Instagram likes or uh, four thousand Facebook likes, trying to be on a major label. Yeah. So it's not like we were some massive blowing up band and necessarily deserved it, but of course we wanted it. Mm. Um, and that kind of started bringing the tail end of the band. I think at that point when they turned it down, um, was Max first to go or was Chris first to go? I think I feel Chris. like Max, was it? No, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You know what? I think it was Chris because I remember being like super confused when he said he was leaving. Just like, Yeah. That was a sad moment. I was very I was, mad I at was, him. Yeah. I called him lots of terrible things. Um, <laughs> I was such a piece of shit. I mean, I am, so it is what it is. <laughs> but, uh, yo, everybody, it is that time again. I want to stop from the chit-chat and take a second to listen to some breakdowns. This week, we have Glitch by the band Frequencies. It reminds me of early volumes and Veil of Maya, a little bit of Northlane, so I think anyone who likes that kind of stuff will be into them. The vocal delivery is solid, and overall, I really enjoyed the songwriting. This band has some extreme riffs, and I think in some time they could really gain some traction. So here we go. Let's mosh to Glitch by Frequencies.
You, you really taught me how to like give your everything to your project. I mean, I remember he worked that second job um, at like a retail store when he wasn't at Pan- Panera, like two mm-hmm. nights a week, but it, they paid him and it went onto a credit card and he used all that money always for the band yeah. and paid for all the designs. Like dude was just such a hustler. He was incredible thing. Was. Um, so it made sense. Visions came to an end. By the way, I still want to snag some merch from you if you have it. Oh, yeah. I, I got a couple bins tucked away. Absolutely. Naturally, I'll trade you off-road stuff. Um, <laughs> Let's do it. But so Visions ends. We all part ways. Um, and I think it was just like you finished out Duchess. Um, I played a couple acoustic shows by myself here and there. But really, it seemed like the music stopped for all of us. Yeah. It did for a while there. Absolutely. Yes. I uh I went down to Orlando for a couple of years, did the went to school. Mel was here working. Um we, we what were you doing during that time? 
Uh, just kind of trying to figure out the next step. Chris was getting in working, more and more with selling pot industry, and uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, dude, yeah, all I was doing lost that, touch for a little bit there. Yeah, I mean, I really sunk into those are the years where I think just about every day all I was doing was hanging out with Evan, man. Um, yeah, you know, visions yeah. came to an end, and visions, you know, was going on during the earlier part of Evan and I's friendship, but at that point, I had nothing but uh, hustling. And working at Gigi's in Rhinebeck. Working at um, Gigi's. And then also a lot of other places, because I got fired from Gigi's like three <laughs> times. Um, which, if you if you can think about what it takes to get fired from the same place like three times. <laughs> three times. Um, yeah. One uh, time you got to really mouth off to your boss and tell him he's a dick. Uh, the other two times, I don't remember. Um, but they were always really nice to me. Let me come back, which was amazing. That owner, Laura, shout out if for some reason she ever hears about this. She was, <laughs> she was really, really kind to me and gave me opportunity after opportunity. And I'm really thankful that I did work there because otherwise I couldn't cook. Um, and yeah, I got to work around one of the best chefs, like this guy Wilson, who now um, he works at a place in Hudson when you know people could go to restaurants and. Mm. He was the only boss I ever had who just he talked to me like my dad, but in like a badass way where he was just like, dude, you suck. He would just be like, <laughs> why the why are you here if you're stoned? Like, why are you doing you know, he'd always yeah. call me out, always put me down, but then always lift me up at the end because I still worked hard. And right. I think that was an interesting experience. But that was about what all I was doing, man. I was doing that and I was doing my bard thing and uh hanging out with those guys and I, you know, I, I think the only thing I can really think of in between that time period was I played that one acoustic show and then I played another one on my 25th birthday at the loft opening for Misser, which was a side project from transit. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I, it was my 25th birthday. I had 103 degree fever. I sold, I, I bought 15 of my own tickets, sold about five and I played a show. <laughs> Um, cause that's what I wanted and I'm, st- I'm that stubborn and stupid. Um, so yeah, <laughs> that was it during that time period for me. Um, yeah. Yeah, man. big growing period and very necessary. One of, honestly, I look back on it so fondly. I had the best time doing it. I met the most incredible people at Bard and despite doing my own independent thing, I was really, really into it, and I worked hard, and I loved it. Um, so hustling is not a good idea, and luckily, um, weed is becoming legal everywhere, so people don't have to do that shit anymore. And if you sell other drugs, like, uh, good luck. But, um, woof, we're not going to talk about that shit anymore. Because uh, <laughs> that's silly, and it was silly, and I don't by any means want anyone to feel... Uh, like I advocate for those things. Uh, it just, no. I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about my character. I got broken down a lot while I was doing it. It was not all fun and games. Um, but luckily for me at this time period, which again, this is quite a while ago, you know, six, seven years, seven or eight years ago. Luckily I never got arrested. I never got hurt. Um, but really some dumb things happened and I will never advocate for someone doing it. Um, I want everyone to remain safe. I care about you guys. Um, just because I talk about something in my past does not mean that I am trying to encourage anyone else to pursue those same things. Sure. I joke about it. I am hustle crow. It's my thing, but 
I don't do that shit. And I, I don't want anyone else to, because I want everyone to live a nice, happy, long life. So if you uh, partake in fun things, go ahead, do it. Just be safe. Um, have a drink, you know, smoke a doink with your parents, whatever. It's fun because life is fun. I just rambled a lot. Gosh, I'm terrible. A little bit, but, a little bit. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, <laughs> you know, I should just chop it out, but I probably won't because who wants to do that? But so that was about it for a while. We all lost touch with each other. You went and attended college in Orlando and yeah. you learned um, quite a bit. You you went to, I guess, what is kind of like a trade school for, yeah. for the arts. Um, yeah. Can you explain to the people what you're doing at that time? Yeah. Um, so basically it was a trade school of sorts called Full Sail um, down in Orlando or Winter Park, Florida. Um, I'd always, as we've been discussing, uh, been on kind of the performing side of the music industry. Uh, but it was always just something that intrigued me. Um, I remember I, my growing up as a kid, my grandfather even, he was he was uh, playing in a lot of big bands. He was on the pit and Broadway and everything like that. So I was always watching that growing up inspired to be part of the industry in some form or fashion. I always thought it would be, you know, as a member of a band, but once these bands kind of fizzled out and went down, uh, I was looking at other avenues and, um, a few people had referred me to this school and they had a really, really cool, uh, live show production bachelor's degree. So, Basically, went down there as a 21-month in, uh, just intensive program. There's no breaks, no nothing like that, really. Um, at the end of it, you come away with a bachelor's degree um, in science, live show production. Um, so basically learning all the behind-the-scenes things that go into uh, putting on live events, uh, whether that be lighting, video, audio, uh, we learned things all the way to like installations and putting on corporate events and things like that. Uh, and it was, it was really cool. It was just a really great, I guess you call it, uh, like a, just a well-rounded understanding of, of the way things work in the industry. Um, and it was cool. We got to do a lot of stuff like go out to events. I worked, um, I, I'm always, I'm a big sports fan. Uh, we got to go out to uh, UCF and I would work their uh, basketball games and baseball or sorry, football games, um, doing like audio and stuff for those, um, would work the parabolic mics on the sidelines and things like that. So it was really, really cool. I got to experience a lot. Uh, it was intense. It was 21 months straight, no breaks. Um, but it was really, like you said, eye opening and it was a great experience and, uh, yeah, it was That's a lot awesome. of fun. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Very cool. And that's led you to, uh, up until obviously with everything going on, but most <laughs> recently, uh, you were working for a company putting on the monster jam, uh, yeah. alongside yeah. Melvin Brinson. Uh, you guys yeah. both work there doing different jobs, but you work AV for them, right? Yeah. I was an audio visual manager uh, for monster jam and Feld entertainment. Sweet. Um, so yeah. Yeah. That's like the grave digger and stuff like that, right? Yeah. Grave digger. Yeah. The classics. Um, classics. very cool. And you know, I was thinking, so eventually at this time, David is in school and myself, Melvin and Evan get together and we jammed, we jam and, and get this one song together called Spiral Gaze. Um, 
slowly started the band and had a guy named Will Manning playing with us at the time. And the original goal of the band was be a five piece, but have three guitar players and have Dave (laughs) switch between guitar and piano. And for quite a while, we did do that for about two years. Um, Eventually, you graduated college and you moved back to the Hudson Valley. Um, when you moved back, I believe, is when we tracked the EP, right? Yes, yes. Okay. Um, but at this time, you were tracking just guitar on the EP. You didn't um, track any bass. I did two Correct. songs and Melvin did two songs. Correct. Um, cool. But uh, so we did that for about two years. We played. Um, I think we did one tour while you were on guitar and piano, the, mm, the bloom tour, the bloom tour. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we did the acoustic tour that was just me, miles and Evan. Yeah. And then our most recent one, you switched over to bass. Um, so I was having a, a pretty hard time singing everything I was writing and playing bass. And I had asked kindly if David would, try playing bass and he made the switch and it actually in my opinion has had an extremely positive um uh, reflection on the band because you wrote way better bass lines on this new record than i write um (laughs) thanks man i appreciate that yeah you picked it up really easily uh do you think it's the piano background do you think it's just because you've played guitar for so long like how how do you think you picked up playing Uh, bass that well that easily I think everything kind of plays into it. The piano, piano has just been a phenomenal building block for literally everything and anything musical that I've done or we've done. It's just such a good thing to have as like a building block, like it's like a reference. Um, and then yeah, you know, playing guitar all this time. So obviously, I wasn't going from like saxophone to bass. It, it was a it was a pretty easy transition. Um, I've always really admired bass. I've always really loved what it can do for a song, what it can do for music, because it really can add so much when it's done the right ways. Um, and it's not not saying that it always just has to be, you know, the center of attention or anything like that. Very much the opposite. There's, I've always felt there's there's times to really go and like write that cool bass line that's the, the focal point of the verse or whatever. Or and you got to also know when to. I found take a step back and just ride that rhythm guitar, you know, throw a little little fill in here and there. But it's like all about, uh, you know, tension and release, you know, knowing when to go for it, knowing when to take a step back and kind of just feel the song. And it, it was, I think all of that kind of played into switching over. And, and I really agree with you. It was, a, it was a pretty seamless transition for me. And it's one that I've enjoyed and really, uh, had a lot of fun with just making the bass my own and uh, just focusing on that. You know, it, it's been great. Absolutely, man. I, I can't really imagine the songs recorded any differently than they are. Yeah. Um, it was just amazing hearing some of the songs come back and being like, oh, wow, that's so different than I would have played that or had played it. Because some of the, you know, like half the songs were written while I was still playing bass. Yeah, and I was um, on guitar, yeah. But it was... It was it we switched over like mid-album. It was fun. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty cool. And I, I mean, I don't think we had recorded too far beyond like demos, but mind uh-huh. you, we had like 15 demos. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it was just a cool experience for me because I think at that time too I I maybe gave you like one or two notes but I was basically just like yeah do whatever the fuck you Mm -hmm. want Um, and 
Yeah, I think the most notable thing that came out of it is is probably you. I mean, you can't listen to that song and not think about the baseline because it just <laughs> makes the track. Thanks, man. So, Thank you. Of course. What really inspired your style that you think that you're developing here in Offroad Minivan? Is there like any bands that you really uh, that stuck out to you in terms of their bass tone? Um, or maybe the way that the parts were written, like, uh, you know, cause part of it reminds me of thrice a little bit, reminds me of mm-hmm. Circus Survive. Yeah. Those um, are all, yeah. Yeah. Those are definitely all bands, you know, I've looked up to, you've, you've named a lot of them in this podcast that we grew up listening to and, uh, brand new is always one that I liked out of TBS, like those bands coming up that just, there's little points here and there that accentuate baselines that. But then also, like I said, there's times where you don't want it to be the focus. You only, you want to notice it when you notice it. It doesn't have to take over or anything like that. Um, I think listening, and I've always had an appreciation for bass like that, but even more so switching over, I'll, I'll go back and re-listen to those bands and like notice things that I didn't notice before. and I just pick things out and just kind of draw inspiration from that and um, it, it really just try to have an impact on the songs because it's easy for bass to kind of just be forgotten in the mix, you know? And Absolutely. Uh, and if you stick I, to I, the rhythms, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's, it's just a shame when you see that happen on a you know overly consistent basis because bass really can, like you said, change a song and add so much and give it depth and volume that it wouldn't have otherwise, you know? Absolutely, man. What, uh, I guess, what was the hardest song for you to write to on this new album? Hardest song to write to? Hmm. Uh, I had, well, it, one of the ones that was a little bit difficult, uh, but one of the ones that also came out to be one of my favorites, I think, is the track we opened with. It's harder to make it below a third. Uh, it was pretty cool. I, uh, it's a fun it's a fun it's a really fun one to play but it's pretty like yeah it's it's pretty you know upbeat and like fast kind of song and i was trying to trying to come up with something that could you know put a little what do you want to call it like <laughs> it's a spice i yeah, mean I, spice, I just it's spicy spice. in there because yeah, you hear seasoning. yeah it's it's an interesting baseline because for about half of this intro or, or going into the verse, it, it follows the rhythm, but then it leaves mm-hmm. the rhythm where it's like, and I love the run at the end. The mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's <sighs> what a track. I like yeah. the, I like the verse. I like the bass in the verse there too. After that, as I do kind of like a, a slide up thing during an, uh, the begin, the guitars in the first half of the verse, or kind of just, or the drums kind of pick up in the second half, and it gets it's the same progression, but it gets a little bit, um, you know, more up upbeat, and the bass kind of stays the same. We were wondering if it was going to work, but it's actually it's cool having that be a consistent bass line when the the guitars and the drums kind of pick up, and it's an interesting, interesting uh, process, man. It, it was a lot of fun, a lot of fun figuring out because uh, in a lot of ways as i was writing these parts i was like getting to know the bass more and just understanding things and finding things out and listening and learning it, it was a really really cool really cool experience yeah it definitely uh when you take uh basically all the guitar strings and put them together and then slap it on the end of my stingray it's basically what you get uh <laughs> Going from a guitar and then playing with a 135 in B is definitely a interesting yeah. experience, nonetheless. Yeah. But 
you know, you really took it, you smashed it. I am extremely thankful that you did because it definitely made the record much better. But what would you say is your favorite song on the album? Whew. That is that is tough. I think I do think I have to go with you. Okay. I do think I have to go with you. I feel that. I, it's just, uh, I mean, there's, there's, it's so hard to choose. It's hard to choose, man. You um, know, but that, yeah, that's like you, like you said, I had so much fun with the bass on that one and that'll always be, uh, you know, special. And, uh, to me in the ways of, you know, it was when I was, you know, learning and, and writing bass and I'd never done that before. So that'll always be sentimental to me for that song. And then that chorus is just so unbelievably catchy. You did a great job with those vocals, man. And, it, it all kind of just came together. I think and Miles had a part here, Mel had a part here. I was going with bass, and then uh, vocals came in, drums. Evan always kills drums, obviously, but just everything kind of came together on that one to me. And it's just uh, to me a, a full group, a corner, a cornerstone of the album for sure. One that I'll always, always uh, cherish. You know, absolutely, man. I agree. Um, yeah, Evan had a large part with that chorus too. Yeah. I mm-hmm. mean, he had a large part with all the vocals on that song, essentially. We sat and uh, talked about a, a, a story from his life, wrote out a fake version of it, and mm-hmm. um, were able to capture that song. But Evan was so good at keeping me in my comfort zone and not just, you know, obviously there's songs like Vampire where I'm shouting at you. Yeah. But cool. this was one that, of those where he that. was like, hey, we're going to stay nice and right um yeah the dude he really is a fantastic guide when it comes to songwriting but you guys all crushed it i mean when it came to the music i didn't participate that much i mean i would basically just chime in when i didn't like something or if Mm -hmm. i had an idea and be like no let's you know work on this bridge or let's this isn't soft enough or this is too heavy or whatever but for the most part you guys really just took it and handled it yourselves um but, you know, one thing I don't think I've ever asked you, because pretty much you're always just playing my equipment because um, <laughs> yeah. I have a lot of bass gear, and yeah. it doesn't make that much sense for you to have bass gear when I have, like, a lot of basses at my house. I, Thank I, you, by the enough. way. Ah, yeah, yeah, whatever, dude, of course. Um, it's cool. Dave gets to play on this really sweet E2 AP4. It's a Japanese-run ESP bass. It's a, basically a double humbucker Stingray-esque model. Um, I believe you can switch between active and passive with it, and it sounds freaking awesome. Uh, but he rips on that usually. But, dude, what would you play if you could play any bass? Like, if you just, you know, someone's like, here's two grand, you can go buy any bass that you oh, want. Oh, God. I don't know, man. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. You've had us design. You've had us designing some guitars, and uh, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I'd have to really dive into it more and do a little bit of research to to come back with like a perfect answer for that. Yeah. You strike me as like a Fender P kind of guy, but I don't know why. That's just something I think you'd look good with. But um, for the for the bass tracking on the record, you guys just went D.I. in through Melvin's stuff. And that was it. I'm pretty sure when we had done the EP. I recorded through my dark glass head and then into the preamp at that time. But I think yes. this came out really, really awesome. Sounded super warm. Um, and John Aquario did a fantastic job um, mixing it. So super stoked on that. But what's your least favorite song on the record? 
<laughs> Let's get weird. Uh, least, jeez. I mean, I mean, Ryan, they're all just so wonderful. I can't choose. I can't choose. Oh, I know, right? They're all so great. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, gosh, it's hard to pick. I think not my least favorite song, but my but my least favorite song on the record is probably Candle in the Dark, just because I wish we could re-record it um, one more yeah, time. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I I do like that song. I, I think you did a great job with it. It would be cool to re-record it. Um, I didn't really, I don't think I had much going on in that song. It might have been one you had bass two. I don't. I just. I don't. I didn't record bass to that, but I wrote the guitar yeah. to that one. Guitar, so, right? Yeah. Guitar, yeah. I yeah. And then I was like, "Hey guys, here's a song. Record it." I don't know who did anything else <laughs> after that. Um, but yeah, uh, it's this sappy song that I wrote um, for oh, my lady well. one day, and it is a cute song. Um, but yeah, that's another thing written in Evan's bedroom. Uh, so. Um, that's kind of how everything tied together, I guess, for my part on the record. But, um, yeah, I, I, I think it's a fantastic song. It's my Starbucks track, but I, I would present <laughs> it a little bit differently now if I could. Um, but yeah. Oh man. Crazy, crazy oh, Davis. Man. Dude, honestly, that's about all I got for you today, man. I mean, I've really appreciated your time over the years. We've been making music together for, oh God. So now, uh, I don't know, 14, 14, 15 years. Yeah. Something, 16 years. It's really, really long time. And I'm very blessed to be around you. Uh, It's amazing to think about when we first started listening to music and listening to Anne Berlin records and Under Oath records (laughs) and all this kind of stuff. And then now, we can put out music on that label. And it's it's surreal, dude. Cool. It really is. It is. Um, yeah, it I, th- is. I think that first dinner when we all got together uh, to celebrate will always be like really, really special in my heart. Because mm-hmm. that was, you know, all in all, I, I've been blessed, obviously, to accomplish a lot with Fit for a King, but it's nothing like doing stuff with your old school boys, too. And, um, yeah. you know, you guys have really worked incredibly hard to create an original sounding project. And um, I am very thankful to be a part of Off-Road Minivan. So thanks for all these years of companionship, man. man. Thank you. Thank you. Dude, of course. Is there anything else that you want to say to these peoples? Well, yeah. Just to say basically thank you. Thank you, everybody who uh, listens. Thank you for everybody who has bought a ticket or download a song or come out to a show over the years or shown support in one way or another. There, there are uh, so many of you um, to name, but it's just, it, it really does. It's true what they say without you guys. None of this would be possible for any of us and we couldn't appreciate it anymore. And just thank you and stay safe out there. Absolutely, man. Everyone's got to stay safe during the, the pandemic. The yes. Pan, the panda Emic. It's a panda's rain from the sky, and they fall upon the people and cover us in black and white. The pandas Good. fall Thanks. upon the sky. They cover us in black and white. Dude, that's a good screamo song right there. I'm going to write a song called Panda. It came from the fry and it ends with the fry. It returns to the fry. It always returns to the fry, man. But, um, you know, like I tell everybody every week, Hang on a second off the air. I want to properly say goodbye to you. But, dude, 
I love yeah. you so very much. Thank love you, you too, for man. making music with me all these years. And uh, thanks for getting tucked. Oh, yeah. It was a pleasure. All right, man. Hold on one second, already. All right. Thanks, bud. Okay, everybody. That was my episode with Dave Trimbley. It's pretty crazy to think about how we've been in three bands together over 16 years. You know, it's pretty damn long time. Dave really made it possible when we were younger to be able to, especially in Visions, to be able to get out and to tour. He worked super hard, he bought a van, and he gave us a chance to get out there. So super thankful for Dave and everything that he's added to my life over the years. We've got one more minivan episode lined up this week, and it is with Miles Sweeney. Miles introduced me to this life. He invited me to be in my very first band. And since that day, I haven't looked back. So tune in tomorrow for episode eight with Miles Sweeney of Off-Road Minivan. Bye, guys.
One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. Each week, we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget. And we decide if they brought the One Hit Thunder or were nothing more than a One Hit Blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh, and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods.